<clears throat> we take a little time um, once in a while to do, to do like some open prayer time. And uh, our goal in our church is like every month that we'd have a prayer time for, uh, or at least every other month, a prayer time for our missions, our missionaries that, are, um, that we support as a church. Uh, we have the mission moments that the, per- the uh, mission committee puts on. And then on the opposite month of that, the other one in between, we would do a prayer time for just the needs in our church family and our body. So right now is an opportunity for you uh, to maybe share a prayer request that you would like to share and, uh, and that the body would hear and that we would pray for collectively right now, okay? Is there some, some prayer requests out there that we can, we can know about and be praying for? Lana, yeah, Bill's wife, Lana. Absolutely. Okay, some other prayer requests. Yeah, Lori Caldwell, absolutely. Thank you, Nikki. Some other prayer requests. Bonnie? Bonnie, Bonnie, you're up first. Bonnie. Very good. Thank you, Bonnie. Yeah. Carolyn. Okay. Okay. So your sister Susan, as she deals with that. Yep. The, the estate and the lots there. Sure. Steve Troy. You bet. Sure, you bet. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Steve. Pretty good. Aiden. Yeah, thank you. Handing our lives to Jesus. You betcha. Thanks, sweetie. Jean? Yeah, Jim. Very good. Thank you. Janie? Yeah, a lot of prayers for Janie. You betcha. Good. Kieran? Yeah, that we'd reach our goal, right, for Operation Christmas Child. Thousand boxes we're trying to get. Thanks, Kieran. Lillian? Very cool. Lots of praise, right? We had prayed for Lillian, you know, a month or so ago, and um, she had a, a stimulator implant put in to control seizures, and she's being a happy camper right now. It's pretty awesome. Lori. Yeah, so deep in our faith, yeah, you bet. Good deal. Susan. Okay. Pray for Samantha and her pregnancy. Okay, very good. 
Thanks, Susan. Amy. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. And your twins go to Wairika High, correct? So a friend in Wairika. Okay. Pray for pray for your your kids and that that person as well. You bet. Okay, Victor. That's right. God knows his name. Okay, thanks, Victor. I guess I'll... Wh- Could be Scotty then, yeah, okay. Scotty Gray. Leslie. Yeah, you bet. Absolutely. Thank you, Leslie. Davey, do you have one? Oh, right on. <laughs> or a girl. Awesome. Praise. <coughs> Praise God. So if you hear Davy hooting and hollering, there might be a baby. Okay. <laughs> Nikki. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Continually pray for your country and your leaders. And absolutely. Very good. All right. Any others? Good, thank you for sharing. Debbie, you have one. Sure. Okay. Okay. Okay, your sister Beverly. Okay, very good. Thank you. Chuck. Yeah, you bet. We'll pray for Nikki. Good. You said. Yeah, absolutely. Theo. Remember Theo Tillman and her grandchildren and her her daughter, Bethany. Very good. Good. All right. Well, can we pray together? Let's pray. Father, we we just count it important to to pray. We count it important to pray for one another. and, And God, as these needs have been lifted up, God, they, we are now lifting them to you. You are our Father, and you care a great deal about us, and God, we know that you are going to bring us the comfort that we need, or the discipline that we need, God, the healing that we need, but ultimately you're going to bring us yourself, and God, I, I pray that for, for every one of these situations, that, that your presence would, would be made known, that you would draw people closer to you, and closer to the comfort there is in the Savior, Jesus Christ. God, may we continue, like you, to show compassion towards one another in our times of need and times of despair, God, or in our times of victory as well, that we would come alongside and and celebrate those victories that are happening in in our lives. God, we trust you because you are God, God Almighty. You're the God of the universe. Our faith is in your hands. We thank you and we praise you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're Matthew chapter 6. We are continuing on in our, in our series, uh, Lord, Teach Us to Pray, and uh, going through and breaking down the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we've got pretty far. We got all the way through verse 9 so far, so pretty exciting. I do want to read uh, that entire passage uh, first, and, and uh, we'll, we'll pray over that in a moment. Um, 
So what we, what we need to understand is that our, that our prayers, as we talk about prayer, our prayers, and, I, and maybe you've been, been watching this and studying this on your own and, and observing this, but our prayers reveal the deepest convictions that we have about God, about what we believe in God, right? What we believe about ourselves, what we believe about the world around us. Every word we say in prayer is a reflection of what we believe about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's super important for us as we, as we go into this study on prayer, on the Lord's Prayer, which is basically it's the model prayer, right? It's not say this prayer as, as it's what the Lord says, it's what He instructs us and how He instructs us to pray and structure our prayers. So we need to be looking at ourselves and saying, what, what do I believe about God? What do I believe about His Word? What do I believe about the gospel of Jesus Christ? The intention of the Lord's Prayer is to give us this pattern or a structure for our own prayers that we can offer to God. So let's pray over our text and we'll, we'll read the text in its entirety. Father, we come before you today grateful that you are our Father, that you hear our prayers, that you are looking into the depths of our heart. And God, sometimes that's disconcerting because we know what's in our hearts. But God, I pray that as we, as we study this model prayer that you've given us to pattern our lives and prayers around, that God, we would we'd understand the depth of what we are praying would understand what we are petitioning the Lord to do. God, as we look, look at this text today, I pray that you would open our minds, open our hearts, our ears, and our eyes to be receptive to what you have to say to us, that we would look to you for change in ourselves, that we would be conformed more into the image of the Son, Jesus Christ, because for him and to him is all the glory, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 5 and read through verse 15 together. So 6, chapter 6, thank you. 6, 5. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. <clears throat> when you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others of their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your, your Father will not forgive your offenses. All right, so today we're looking at the next segment we've talked about uh, in this prayer, we've, we've gone through uh, the first portion where Jesus said, here's how not to pray. Don't pray like the hypocrites, right? And that was the first, first message. It was really important because what, what we've done is we've taken the Lord's Prayer <clears throat> and we've isolated it, we've brought it out, we've put it on a, on a bookmark, and we've re recited it at home. <clears throat> and, we, and we forget, and we forget to look at the, the preceding verses here. The preceding passage that tells us, don't just pray this repetitiously. Don't just babble words to Jesus expecting that that's how you earn favor or gain access to him. That's not how we are to pray. So it's very important as we, and, and I, I told you how I've, I've been convicted in my own self, looking at the scripture and, and this, this in particular, that I have recited it mindlessly at times. 
that because I've memorized the Lord's Prayer, I don't even think about it when I go to, go to say it. I can just say it. And that's what Jesus is warning us against. He says, don't, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't grow up so much that you know it so well that you don't need Jesus anymore. Be like a child, right? Have, have this faith like a child that comes to him earnestly from the heart, bringing our prayers and requests to him. Then we, we started, it says, then therefore you should pray like this, our Father in heaven. We talked about the fact that we are united as our, right? When we pray, it's about our Father. We are, we've been adopted and grafted in to the family of God through Jesus Christ. And now God is our Father. The God of the universe, God who is in heaven, right? He is our Father. So the God of the universe who created everything and holds all things together is actually our Father, a compassionate, loving Father who is there to nurture us and care for us, to discipline us, to interact with us, to have a relationship with us. And, that, and the depth of that is so important. I don't know about you, <clears throat> over the last few weeks I've been struggling, right, to apply Scripture, to apply this prayer. And when I say struggling, it's, it's, it's tough. There are times I'm trying to struggle through, how do I say our Father? And I, I'm praying, our, okay, our Father, and I have to focus on this unity that I have in the body of Christ, this unity that we have together as children of God, the family of God. Then I move into the idea of the Father and, and how He's a Father, and I have to praise Him for how He's a Father and thank Him for how He's a Father. And it takes me like 30 minutes sometimes to get through our Father in heaven because I'm, I'm trying to mull that over in my own heart, in my own mind. I'm trying to embrace Him for the Father in heaven that He really is. And then it goes on, He says, Our Father in heaven, Your name be honored as holy. And we heard from Hoyt last week about this. Right? Hallowed be your name. How do we hallow God's name? Well, God's name is holy in and of itself. We don't have to ascribe anything to it, but we do. All creation does. And there are glimpses that we see in Scripture where the angels are calling back, back and forth to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Right? He, he is holy. And, and we look at the holiness of God. We saw last week the names of God and the depth of the names of God and how he's a provider, as a Savior, a rescuer, a righteousness, all those kinds of things that we're praying about when we go to him as, as our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. There's a depth to who he is, right? And that when we're asking God, we're petitioning. We're not just saying, holy is your name. We're asking God, and the scripture here says, your name. We want your name to be revered or honored as holy. That people would know that you are holy and and that they would know you're holy through our lives. We'll see that more today, but when we pray, we're going to God saying, God, if you need to do something in me that I would hallow your name more through my life, then let that be what happens. That's what we're petitioning God to do. God, change my heart so that my heart and my life reveres and honors you as holy, and that people could see that you are holy through that. And today we move into verse 10. A, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. <coughs> when we look at this next phase, and this next phrase, your kingdom come, we, we're asking that his kingdom come. Would come and it is it is a petition that's unique because his kingdom is the only kingdom that is supreme over everything. So we're not we're not praying to an earthly monarch saying, I really hope that you would reign. You know, we talk about politics, and we'll talk about that a little later too, but like the idea of you know, not my president, not your president, whoever's president, it that doesn't matter. We're we're praying to the king, king of kings, the Lord Almighty, right? We're asking that his kingdom would be ushered in. And he is the only one that has any legitimacy of that because he's the supreme God of the universe. Your kingdom come, it's a petition to the King of kings, the Lord of lords himself, Jesus Christ. And I want to share a couple passages with you. Uh, Psalm chapter 2, I think it's in your notes, Proverbs, but it's Psalm chapter 2. 
6 through 8, it's, it says this, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will declare the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. What is Jesus? What is, what is his? What, is, what belongs to him? Everything belongs to him. We see in one Psalm or in Psalm 145, Scripture tells us that, that God is an ever God's is an everlasting kingdom. And, and in, in 103, that his sovereignty rules over all. There is no limit and no bounds to his reign. He is truly the king of kings. He is the supreme God and sovereign over all the universe. And Colossians says that in Christ he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. We can't say that for an earthly monarch. We can't say that for a president or a leader or, a, or, a, or a, an earthly king. In him, all things hold together. We're talking about Jesus. And how do we know that? Well, we go to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, if you would, with me. We used this passage uh, last Christmas time in our, in our series. He will be named. But Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, talks about this authority and talks about The supreme God. 9-6. I know some of you think it's too early to share Christmas verses, but I don't think so. It's never too early. 9-6 nine nine says this, For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, that is Jesus, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of peace. And you could read on and on there, but that's, that's what we're talking about. That's who our God is, right? His dominion will be vast. This is, this is God. God of the universe has all authority to reign supreme. So when we ask your kingdom come, we are talking to the king of kings. One of the things I think is important as we try to define God's kingdom, I think this is a great definition for it. God's kingdom is wherever Jesus Christ reigns as Lord. God's kingdom is wherever Jesus Christ reigns as Lord. And there's a, there's a universal aspect to that, and there's an earthly aspect to that. Let me, let me describe that to you. There's a universal aspect that says the universe is his, and, and he reigns supreme over all of that all the time. And then there's an earthly aspect that says he has been here, he created us, he has been here, and he said he'll return. But right now, he's not here reigning supreme. What he is doing is trying to reign in the hearts of people supreme. So there's an aspect of God's kingdom that is, is universal, reigning over everything. And there's an aspect that is earthly that says, God wants to reign in your heart. God wants to reign over you individually. And these petitions, what's interesting, these, these petitions in, uh, back in Matthew chapter 6, as there, there's a petition in prayer. We say, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy, right? Your kingdom come and your will be done. There's three things there. We want your name to be honored as holy. We want your kingdom to come, and we want your will to be done. And, and the way that this is written in, in the text, all three of those things should end with, what, verse 11, on earth as it is in heaven. So right now, right, we, we want to honor God's name as holy the way it's honored in heaven as holy. Right? We want to honor it on earth as it is in heaven as holy. We want his kingdom to come like it is in heaven on earth. And we want his will to be done as it is always perfectly in heaven on earth as well. So there's this universal heavenly reign, and then there's this earthly reign that we're asking, we're petitioning that God, we would see glimpses of that in our hearts, in our lives, in our world now, 
until ultimately you would come and return and st- set up and establish your kingdom forever here on earth. Right? And we'll see that as well as we go on today. So we're talking about the kingdom. What does the kingdom look like? And it's, again, Jesus Christ. It's wherever Jesus Christ reigns as Lord. You see, Jesus Christ is the hope of Israel, as we see in the text from Isaiah. Um, he's the hope of the church. He's the hope of the world. And, and our greatest desire as believers should be to see the Lord reigning as king in his kingdom with honor and authority. And we should desire to see him reigning here as well. And as we pray, your kingdom come, we're asking, we're petitioning the Lord, and we're confirming that our lives are being submitted to him in order to lift him up and exalt him, that his name would be revered as holy. He is not merely our Savior, but he is also our Lord. You see that, like people say, oh yes, I, I trusted Christ as my Savior. That's great, but He is not just Savior, is He? He's my Lord and Savior. And when we, when we say that, that's, that's a little deeper, isn't it? Savior is, yes, He's saved me, He's forgiven me of my sin, that's great, but true repentance says, I have yielded my whole life, my whole heart to Him, that He might be King and reign supreme. And then every day as I pray, God, Your kingdom come, I'm asking that He would come, that He would invade, that He would change me, that I would, I would deny myself, and that He would reign on the throne of my life. When I petition God that he would, his kingdom would come, that's what I'm asking him to do. So before we begin laying out our requests to him and asking God for this or that, we should lay out our hearts before him and affirm that it is our longing that he would be glorified in and through our lives and that he would be the king over us. Amen? That he would be king over us. So let's look at this. We're going to take a, take a look at your kingdom, God, your kingdom coming what, what is, what's involved in that? I think there's kind of three aspects that we can look at today that are, that are super important. And I would encourage you, there's, there's so much study involved in this. There's so much that you can learn and find out. Go home and study that on your own. Go look up God, the kingdom of God or God's kingdom and look at all the ways it's been used. But I think kind of there are three categories that, that all of them fit into. One is this. We see the grace of the kingdom. We see the grace of the kingdom. You know, and I, I appreciate um, social activism. I appreciate you know, trying to make change in political activism. I appreciate that. I, I'm, I'm interested in those things. Um, but I, I think that some would argue that through social action or political action that we could achieve God's kingdom here and now. That people say, if we, if we just get it right socially, if we get it right politically, it'll be heaven on earth. And that is so far from the truth. You know, we think, we think that we, be, in, in that sense, we think we have become God's gift to the world. Like, look at you. you. If you get it figured out right, if you get your policies all right and your social activism all right and you get people to volunteer and kind of align with your, your views, then we'll have it figured out. And that's so far from the truth. Now, political power and cultural influence are not unimportant. Right? Those are important things in our culture and in our history. But, but we, we tend to isolate that, too. We tend to bring it into just America. Oh, it's, it's just America we focus on. Well, what about the political structure and the social activism needed in other countries? What, what about the needs that are there? What about those who have gone before us and already achieved those things and still are lacking? Or those that are still behind and, and are in chaos? Right? There, there's a whole like, gamut of breadth to that where what we're looking for is something deeper, more profound. So they're not unimportant, but they can never change. Right? Social activism, political power can never change the hearts of sinners or provide the forgiveness of sins for a person. So thus we pray, your kingdom come. 
See, there's something lacking in social activism, right? Even if we're good people and a good society and well-governed, the heart is wicked and evil. It's deceitful above all things and beyond a cure. Who can understand it? So the kingdom then, wherever Christ reigns, right? The kingdom revealed in Christ is there to repair the damage done by sin in the world. That's the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate goal. I'm going to show you a couple of verses in this, this grace coming from Christ. So the grace of the kingdom is there to fix and resolve the problem that we had with sin, to repair the damage done by sin. That's the grace coming uh, through Christ and his kingdom. Uh, uh, you can look these verses up later. Luke 16, 6, the law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God has been proclaimed, and everyone is urgently invited to enter it. And in that way, it's saying, like, it's just, you're, you should be jumping over people to try to get in there. It should be this mob to try to get to the grace of God because no social activism, no political power or party can fix or resolve the condition of the heart. Only Jesus Christ can do that. And we really see the deep need that we have in, in our lives and in our heart for Christ. We should be climbing over people to get to him because his grace, the grace of the kingdom is being bestowed and said, here it is. There's a parable in Matthew 22, and I'll read verses 1 through 4. It said, once more Jesus spoke to them in parables. He said, the kingdom of heaven, there's a kingdom, right? Heaven is like a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. Right? There's, there's, there's a wholeness, something happening, a party, a celebration, ready. He says he sent his servants out to summon those invited to the banquet, but they didn't want to come. Again, he sent out the other servants and said, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fat and calf have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. Right? Urging, this grace is urging. The grace of the kingdom urges people to come to the wedding banquet. There's this plea to come to the king, to come and to be whole again. And we should be climbing over each other to get to it. But it says in that parable that eh, well, we don't want to come. And the parable goes on and he invites others and brings them in and basically shames those who said no. Then in Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, it says this. It says, He, that is Jesus, has rescued us from the domain of darkness, or the kingdom of darkness, right? There's, there's another kingdom at odds with the kingdom of God, isn't there? It's a kingdom of darkness. And he's transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son whom he loves. In him we have redemption. Right? In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. See, the gift to the world is Christ. And, and it's, it's Christ as, as the grace of the, in the kingdom. The, the grace of the kingdom is Jesus Christ. And see, there is power to that. And then as we, as you and I have faith in Christ, as we trust Christ as Savior, we, we have this, this mystery and this gift inside of us. So the gift now to the world, now for you and I, the gift now to the world is Christ in us. It's Christ in us. So yeah, we ought to be doing something. We ought to be activating, right, and going forward and pushing forward with the grace of Christ in us, that people would see the grace of the kingdom and, and know the power of the king within, that they would embrace him as Savior and turn to him. God did not leave the world in darkness, but through his grace and the work of the cross, God has continued to build his kingdom on earth in us, in his children. And it's his desire that his grace would shine through us like a light to all the nations. So as His grace has renewed us, right? You, you, you feel that? You feel that grace? That's the kingdom now on earth, is the grace going forward, the grace. And as we pray, God, your kingdom 
come, what we're praying for is this evangelistic explosion. That God, we know that the grace of the kingdom is a miracle that's been done in me. And we want to see that miracle, your kingdom come to more and more people, that they would receive the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And his grace will renew us. And as it does, we continue to pray, your kingdom come and add on for us. And Lord, start with me. Start here with me. Let me, let me just bathe and surround myself in the grace that you lavish on me. <clears throat> and then that mystery of Christ in me would be the grace that I continue to push forward into the world around me. So we see the grace of the kingdom. Number two, we see the power of the kingdom. We see the power of the kingdom. Listen, there is power in the name of who? Come on, who? Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus to heal. There's power in the name of Jesus to renew. There's power in the name of Jesus to, to redeem. And there's power in the name of Jesus to restrain evil. There's power in the name of Jesus to provide good in the world. Amen? God does that. And we just spent a few minutes, a few minutes ago saying God can do those things. There's power in his kingdom. And we're, we're expectant for that. We're, we're wanting that. We're desiring that. But, and there's a but here, we cannot make that become this prayer. God, my kingdom come. You see, there, there are those who would believe that God wants his kingdom ushered in fully right now by us. That God will do and should do and at our request or at our command, God will follow my will. That God will heal because I say so. That God will restore because I say so. If I just have enough faith, that it will happen. And that is not the truth. I have faith not in myself, but in God's kingdom. Can God heal? Of course he can heal. Does he heal? Of course he heals. Does he sometimes not heal? Absolutely. But what God is ultimately after is the renewal and restoration of our soul, of our heart. You know, I, I've had several conversations about this recently, and, and several people who are ill or sick, even in our own body, our own church, or out in the community. And, and yes, I, I pray. I pray, God, if, if it's your will, that they would be healed. God, we, want, we don't want to see them suffer. We want to see your kingdom come in that way, but it's not my will be done. Your will be done, right? And, I, and I've talked about this. I said, yeah, it's, it's great. I have, a I have a friend in Montana right now. You can pray for this friend. His name is Lance. He's a, he's a single dad. He, he, he um, has a daughter who's, I think, about 13, 14 years old and has cancer, has a stage four aggressive cancer, right? A teenage daughter, like, just is his world. And he's wondering why and where is God and all these things. God is not far away. God is still there. And, and here, here's the conversations I've had with people. And you don't necessarily have these conversations with people in the middle of this tragedy, unless they have ears to hear. God may or may not heal you, but one day this body will give up. One day this body will die. You might get healed five times, but there will be a day where your body expires. And, and there's so much comfort, I think, that, I want you to hear this. There's so much comfort in knowing that, that we are not a body who just has a soul but we are a soul that has a body. And once this body is shed, God still is taking care of our soul, and one day we'll reunite that with a, a glorified body where, 
where there will be ultimate, perfect healing in the kingdom of God. There will be no more tears, no more death. We'll see that in a few minutes. But, but today, the power in the kingdom is not focused on and should, it does not come from, Lord, my will be done. My kingdom come. When we pray, we submit ourselves to his power. There should be a desire inside of us who have trusted Christ as Savior, right? There should be a desire inside of us for, to allow him to rule in our lives just as he rules in heaven. And there's many circumstances in life that we face that are this crossroads of faith, and we must choose between doing God's will and praying for God's kingdom to come, and Lord, start with me, and, and where we can choose to avoid praying, Lord, my kingdom come, my will be done. Since Christ is Lord, we must submit to his lordship. I want you to turn with me, if you would, to, to Romans chapter 14, please. Romans chapter 14. We talked about the power of God, right? We talked about the power of God. And uh, I'm just going to read a verse while you're turning to, to 14. Romans 1.16 says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to salva- for salvation. Right? We're, we're not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God. So if we talk about the power of the kingdom, the power of the kingdom doesn't come in healing. The power of the kingdom comes in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the power. On this earth, that is the power. One day he will restore and everything will be made whole and these prayer requests will be, will be answered fully. But it may not be in this life. But ultimately, the power of the gospel, the power of the kingdom, is the power of the gospel. In Romans chapter 14, we're looking at verses 16 and 17 together. Romans 14, 16, and 17. Therefore, do not let your good be slandered, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You see that? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the gospel. The kingdom of God, the power of God by the Holy Spirit is righteousness. That you and I would would attain a righteousness that was not our own. That we would go to Christ empty and say, God, God, I've got got nothing for you. Nothing good to offer you that you, you would ever accept. And what I need is is you. I'm hungry and thirsty for you and your righteousness to fill me. And the gospel, the power of the kingdom is in the gospel and it's in the righteousness of God that he bestows upon you and I. And when he bestows that righteousness of Christ on us, we no longer are accountable for our sins because Christ has paid the debt for us. Amen? That's the power of the kingdom of God. That's the power. And out of that power of righteousness, what comes next? It said peace, right? It says peace. The kingdom of God is not eating or drinking, but it's righteousness, and then it's peace and joy. No matter the circumstance in this life, no matter the trial in this life, no matter the healing or lack of healing in this life, I can have peace because I have the righteousness of Christ on my life. I've I've been made whole again, and I can stand before the, the God of the universe whole and forgiven and that peace with him. And that peace gives me joy. That peace gives me joy. See, the kingdom of God, the, the earthly part of the kingdom of God and the power of the kingdom of God gives us joy that's indescribable to 
the world around us. That we have a hope and a joy inside of us that can only be explained because of him and what he's done. Not because my will was done. Not because my kingdom came. But because I submitted myself to the power of his kingdom. And I prayed, Lord, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. We see in Galatians, you can turn there with me, Galatians chapter 5. After Romans, just a, a little bit. Galatians chapter 5. We're talking about the kingdom of God being righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, right? There's this power in the Holy Spirit that's given to us. And in chapter 5, verse 22 to 26, it says this in Galatians. But the fruit of the Spirit. Now here we go, right? So this power, this power of the kingdom and the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit produces its love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. Again, turning our focus from ourselves, from our circumstances, to humbling ourselves before God, to denying ourselves, to crucifying the flesh with its passions and desires so we could be led by and keep in step with the Spirit of God because there is power in the kingdom and power in the Spirit. Finally, number three, we see hope. The hope of the kingdom. It's the hope of the kingdom. When we pray your kingdom come, <clears throat> we're asking that God would come and make all things whole, make all things right again. We know that Christ is going to return again. And since the Father is, is not now ruling on the earth as he is in heaven, we're to pray for God's kingdom to come. We want you to rule. We want your kingdom to expand. We want it to be here. We want Christ to reign here too, that Christ would establish and reign and rule uh, in, this earth, in his earthly kingdom, that he would put down sin once and for all, and he'd, he'd squash rebellion, and he'd, he'd enforce obedience to his will. See, one day the heavens will split open, and Jesus will descend onto the earth and establish his kingdom. And Christ will reign in righteousness, in justice, in truth, and in peace forever. And that is a hope that we are looking forward to. I cannot wait for that. What, what is more that we see there? What, what, do we, what else do we see? We'll turn to Revelation with me. This is the last place we're going in the book of Revelation. Very last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21, looking at verses 3 through 6. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and be their God. What else do we have to look forward to? I mean, if he's reigning in righteousness and justice and peace. Verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. He also said, Right, because these words are faithful and true. And then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will freely give to the thirsty from the springs of the water of life. Praise God that one day, there, there will be a day 
where everything is set back the way it should be. That every longing, every prayer that we prayed, as we prayed, Lord, your will, your, your kingdom come and your will be done, will officially be done. That he will hear that and he will make everything right. Do you go to the next chapter? The next chapter, there's an excitement that was there. And as, as John wrote this in, the, in chapter 22, verse 20, I want to just check that verse out with you. Almost the very last verse in the Bible. He says, He who testifies about these things says, this is Jesus speaking, Yes, I am coming soon. And John writes, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. This is the term Maranatha. We want the Lord to return. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. When we pray, we, we, we can certainly pray that the grace of the kingdom would be present, that people would come to know Christ and see the grace of Christ and be restored and renewed and forgiven of their sins. And then we can pray for the power of the kingdom to come. We say, God, we want your power to come. We want your power to rest here and reside. We want you to heal and restore and renew and redeem, but not my will be done. Your will, your kingdom come. And you give me the power by your Holy Spirit to live in a way that, that shows and exemplifies your kingdom. That, of course, it would start with me. That I would, I would show the fruit of the Spirit. That you would renew that in my life day in and day out. That I would be an offering to you. And then finally, we, in the middle of that, in the middle of that, that world, in the middle of life, in the middle of struggles and pain and sorrow and circumstances, while we have this earthly body that's trapping us in and, and causing us problems, that we would be excited to know that there will be a day when he'll wipe away every tear. There'll be no more death and no more pain and no more suffering where we will be whole and where he will reign. So when we pray, your kingdom come, we say, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. We cannot wait. We can't wait for what you're going to do. And that's how we should model our prayer. That yes, his grace would be revealed in us and through us to others. Yes, that we would submit ourselves and lay ourselves down and crucify our own desires and passions and, and opinions and say, I want to follow you and be led by your spirit. And, and God, ultimately, at the beginning and middle and end of the day, we pray, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, establish your kingdom once and for all. May your kingdom be both in heaven and on earth and established by your rule and reign. Amen? All right, let's stand and pray together. Father, as we come before you, we, we approach the throne of grace with confidence, knowing that you have given us everything that we need to be made right with God through the Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the power that was poured out and the grace that was poured out through him as he went to the cross in, a, in our place and accomplished what we could never accomplish or fulfill on our own, that he rose victoriously over death, proving that he is God, that he is the God of the universe who is able to reign and rule over our lives and our hearts. We thank you for the redemption and the restoration, God. We thank you for the forgiveness that he offered, giving us an opportunity to be made whole as we believe and have faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power for salvation. And God, may we submit ourselves to you. And as we pray, as, as you've modeled this prayer for us, as we submit ourselves to you and to your kingdom. It is not our kingdom. As much as we want to have it be our kingdom, it is not our kingdom. And Lord, we pray that you, you would indwell us with your spirit. And we would submit ourselves to you every day and to be led by you and your ways for the glory of God and for the kingdom of God. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.